Strasser said Gelly revealed in a tearful conversation that Hitler loved her, but she couldn't stand it anymore. She was repulsed by what he wanted her to do. Hitler made her undress and stand over him naked, and then urinate on him to give him sexual pleasure. She said everything about Hitler's demands was extremely disgusting to her. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hi, how you It's cracking there, Kate Rambo. Um, I had a really garlicky pasta for dinner, and I'm really full, so I'm kind of in like a carb coma, but it was really delicious. Are you gassy? I'm not gassy. I'm just like full of carbs. Just full do of they it. make, like, do garlic, does garlic like affect the smell of your farts? Like, do you have garlic farts? Like, I've never heard anyone be like, oh, I got the garlic farts today. No, but obviously I think it's funny how garlic affects you the next day. Like you sweat it out and people can smell it on you. You do, yeah. That's why Italian people always smell like garlic. Funnily enough, we all know they don't. It's the French. French too. Both of them. All Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. The best smell in the world is onions and garlic frying in butter in a pan. That you're, you're, That's already the best meal ever. Yeah, but doesn't that kind of smell like uh, unwashed genitals? Like... The, doesn't that kind of remind you of the that? The French, yes. <laughs> Whereas Americans, we smell fresh, clean, like brute, by Fabergé. So, uh, your everyday boys. If you're hearing this right now, if you're listening to this uh, show right now, uh, Kate and I are probably very hungover from our uh, ruckus night last night in London with the Sick and Wrong listeners at uh, the World's End in Camden. Obviously, this is pre-recorded because we don't have time to record, but... I'm just projecting that future D is probably very hungover today. We should be gallivanting in a cemetery about this time, and I will probably be complaining. I'm also predicting that future D <laughs> is going to hear a lot of complaining from future Kate. <laughs> There's going to be some complaining on the Sunday for sure. <laughs> I, I, can, I can already predict that. Uh, but yeah, that's, so the plan is... And this is obviously the plan that, uh, that we have, um, you know, best laid plans. But we're hoping we don't get too drunk so we can wake up early on Sunday and go check out Highgate ish. Cemetery in uh, London. Early-ish. Yeah, early-ish. I imagine the cemetery is probably open until what, like six, seven? I, I think I did check. I think it was like five-ish or something okay, like that. Okay, five. We'll aim to get there for lunchtime-ish. Yeah, we'll we get a few hours. But I've, Highgate's been one of those cemeteries I've wanted to check out for 20 years. I've just never had the chance. It's kind of out. It's not that far out, but it's what, it is like out. 30 minutes from Camden? Walk? Yeah, it's really north, north London. I've only ever been there once uh, in my early 20s. I've never been again. So I'm looking forward to seeing it because it is a really, really beautiful cemetery. It's, I mean, it's, it's considered haunted. one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the world. Um, yes. A lot of famous people buried there. Uh, George Michael. He's buried there. Do you think he oh, ever? Oh, I've got to give George a smooch. 
Do you think he ever did any fraudage in uh, Highgate? Well, I think he would have been. Yeah, I think you mean it by its proper English term of cottaging. Oh, sorry. Cottaging, not fraudaging. Cottaging. Yeah. For, is fraudage is something else. That's when you rub your genitals on Fra- somebody. Just, yeah. yeah in like a, on just, like a train. It's, although, don't get me wrong. I bet you no. George Michael probably did that as well. And I bet he did, and I bet he was unashamed of, about it. But yeah, I bet he probably would have cottaged up in Highgate. Why not? He's the king of cottaging. <laughs> um, you know, this guy probably cottaged too. Karl Heinrich Marx, the father of communism, also buried at Highgate. <laughs> also the father of cottaging. <laughs> <laughs> He's the grandfather of cottaging. George Michael's the father of cottaging. Um, oh, actually, you know, both get a kiss off come me. to think of it, all three of these guys are probably cottagers. Malcolm McLaren, he's also buried there. A hundred percent a cottager, <laughs> and he will also get a kiss off me. Now, I'm not quite sure off of this next famous person if he was into cottaging or not. Wouldn't be surprised. Douglas Adams, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> no, I think he's a he's a cheeky likes a Sunday roast with a really big Yorkshire pudding and like a pint of bitters guy. I don't think he's a codger. Well, he might be into frottaging then. Yeah, he gives me more frottage energy. Yeah. Definitely. Not cottage, frottage. And then finally, uh, the other grave that I'm actually really excited to hear about, and you, you've been telling me about this one, is Patrick Caulfield, um, the artist, whose gravestone is a work of art in itself. Like, I guess the word dead it's carved out in geometric cool. stone on top of it. Always wanted to see that. Yeah, he's a, he was a great artist too. So it's just a beautiful cemetery. Well, I mean, tell me a cemetery that I don't love or have ever been to and been like, I've been disappointed by this. It's, there, but it is some a lame really ones. gorgeous cemetery. Well, it's because you're in Europe. There's some lame ones in the U.S. You say that, but I always enjoy it. Cemeteries are literally my happy place. I like them because there's never any other people around. And you can just, it's like a lovely walk through a park. And you can just talk about all the dead people. And I just come alive in a cemetery. Yeah, I love cemeteries too. But what I'm saying is in in the U.S. you have cemeteries that are like 60 years old. As opposed to the ones in Prague or whatever that are like 600 years old. So They lack the character. But there are, I mean, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather be in a cemetery than a park filled with children. Yes. Cemetery filled with dead children. I prefer that. (laughs) Oh, well, remember when we went to the dead, because in Carlisle Cemetery, which is one of the most uh, rated, one of the most beautiful cemeteries in like Britain. And in fact, was the first cemetery to start doing green burials in Europe. But they have this really eerie children's section, which I always take you to, and I made Claudia go to it too. And we were just walking up and down, casually making jokes about the dead. It is, it's unnerving because you see these little toys and like, you know, like mylar balloons. It is, it's a horror film. Yeah, it's definitely unnerving. But we're going to chat about all of this on the second show um, that week and all the debauchery that's going to occur at the uh, the meetup <laughs> in uh, Camden, so we'll get we'll get into that. Um, but I want to move on, K Rambo. I want to move on to something I've been pondering this week, and I've I've often wondered if you've pondered the same thing because you know we usually have uh, very similar mindsets. How often have you wondered whether Hitler was into scat? Probably more than I should have. <laughs> I mean. 
you know, I wondered about it, and you never it always says, and we've done this. We did the sex lives of the Nazis and all that a while ago, um, but everybody tries to like portray Hitler as this kind of deviant. Like he was into some weird shit. The guy had one ball. He was into like you know scat and S and M and 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 just all sorts of weird shit. So spit in my mouth, Ava. Yeah, That's exactly. A friend of mine uh, suggested I check out this uh, new miniseries that came out a few months ago, Hitler's Secret Sex Life. It's a four-episode miniseries came out in Australia. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I've heard a lot of the, the rumors and allegations that were portrayed in it and described. But there were a, a few things I didn't know about Hitler's sexuality, you know, before I watched that. And I binged it. I've, I've watched all four episodes. It's, you know, I, th- I thought it was uh, uh, really well done structured well um and uh and yeah and interesting according to the miniseries hitler was not only into scat he was also into golden showers and extreme bdsm and on top of all that there's rampant speculation about his sexual orientation and i don't believe any of that to me like i've heard i'm just judging this by by the pure pheromones that I can obviously sense off these men in uniform. Hitler's very asexual to me, and he's he's not like a sexy Nazi. Like, he's not a Heydrich, and he's not a Skorzeny. He's not somebody who I'd be like, yeah, come on, Martin Bormann, introduce me to your wife, babe. He's you not know, like You know what um, I mean? He's going to be boring in well, he's not Like, like Hitler Ernst, doesn't eat pussy. Well, he's not like an Ernst Rahm who's just so sexy. <laughs> well, yeah, I can see why you'd like Ernst Rom. <laughs> but yeah. Hadrick, you know, like Hadrick is a good-looking guy, and he's fierce. And he was married to a hottie as well. Like, I would go home with Hadrick. I'm not going home with Hitler. But those Nazis were deviants. They were into some weird shit. Um, in the uh, miniseries, they mentioned Eugene Dolman. The Germans. Hitler's translator <laughs> said that there is a police file that's available that you can find that uh, claimed Hitler paid young boys in Munich to spend the night with him. I don't know. Maybe they were making him his secret cake, you know, because Hitler used to get up in the middle of the night to eat cake. So maybe these young boys were his young cake. Cake with semen frosting. Young boys. <laughs> um, Is that anyway, what I'm getting for my birthday? A couple people that were in the uh, that that were uh, contributors. Um, and and uh, in the miniseries were, one, Norman Oler, the author of Blitzed, Drugs in the Third Reich, which uh, people Wait, might remember. He was on, on this podcast a few years back for episode 619, where me and Harrison actually interviewed Norman Oler when his book came out. It's a great book. And uh, they interview him in the miniseries about like the drug use that uh that that was occurring with the nazis but hitler himself you know hitler when he committed suicide he was only 56 he only had five teeth left that guy was such a tweaker yeah a tweaker and also all he ate was sugar literally yeah hitler ate a particular bean stew and then outside of this bean stew he was unprecedented addicted to sugar and he would start the day with a strudel and i'm not just talking a slice of strudel i'm talking a whole strudel Every day, he's sitting down and eating a whole strudel. It's That's gonna insane. rot your teeth. It's gonna rot your teeth. Delicious though. Oh my god, I love a strudel. Will you ever see that video of him? Like I don't know if he's at the Olympics or something, but he's just rocking back and forth, just tweaking oh, his head shaky. off. Oh, we're shaky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a great um, 
Steve MRE, who is now back into regular uploading, uh, praise Jesus. But Steve MRE eats a 1940s um, German ration, and it's got the chocolate in it, and that's the chocolate that essentially has... Oh, that they used to eat back then, yeah. Yeah, that essentially has speed in it. And he starts to shake because he eats three pieces and and then oh he just goes off it and you know if you've taken speed before you can recognise the signs and others <laughs> he just suddenly like you know his voice starts going faster it's really funny. Has uh, Stephen Marie ever got his hands on pervidin? You know that the actual meth that they used to make back then. No, not unless it came in the rations. And would he, he would, take like, it if he found? He would one hundred percent take it. He would. Yeah. Hmm. He's. Smokes the cigarettes and stuff. I mean, he, it's it's his thing. Uh, this is a plug for man. Steve MRE, by the way. I'm a long-time long fan. And I've the also talked man. to Steve MRE on a handful of occasions, so I'm probably a super fan. Look at this humble brag going on here. It is a humble brag. I love you, Steve MRE. Well, you know who we got to talk to is the other man who is a contributor here. Well, there were several um, doctors and and forensic psychiatrists that were interviewed in the uh, in the miniseries. But one of them was uh, forensic psychiatrist Dr. Rob M. Kaplan, um, who's a contributor on the show and uh, has written several books on Hitler and, and Hitler's paraphilias, um, as, well as, as well as the Nazis in general. Um, so I, I reached out to him to see if he'd come it. on the show because there's a question that me and Kate have been arguing about for years. It's whether or not Hitler had one ball. Did Hitler have one testicle? And so uh, Kate has her opinion on that. I have mine, which is a little more informed because I've watched this miniseries. But we're going to find out from Dr. Kaplan whether or not Hitler had one ball. So before we get into all that, let's chat about something much more interesting than Hitler's testicle. The sick and wrong patron. (laughs) Is that uh, more interesting? (laughs) It's way more interesting than Hitler's ball. In fact, this week, we go into a two-hour discourse on Hitler's testicles and his taint. Um, I'm joking. but uh, He's just not sexy. If you do like this show and you like what we do, then we just ask you to just throw us a couple bucks and keep the show going. You know, the Patreon and Apple Podcast is the only way we really make any money, any compensation off the show. I know uh, we do have sponsors, but they don't really pay us. I just like the it's sound of our Adam and Eve ads. Um, yeah, me too. But but the, uh, the the patron actually and and Apple Podcasts now help us you know maintain the expenses of the show because it's you know it costs money to to do this every week so for a few bucks a month five dollars you get access to the sick and wrong second show as well as the uh, the Discord um, you get a membership in the Discord once you sign up uh, this week uh, uh, Kate and a special guest former crewmate and former rapper. Ant O.C. Well, yeah. Did you say he's a rapper? He is a rapper, but he's not a former rapper. He's still a rapper. Oh, so, okay, currently a rapper. Ant O.C. Chat about the workplace that Kate left behind and the life and death of uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez from the band yeah. TLC. So it's a very yeah. interesting um, second show this week. And I think it's, uh, it's got a lot of that 90s nostalgia because I think a lot of our listeners... Grew up listening to TLC back in the day. Ant's a legend. And I mean, he also, he's like a TLC super fan and has talked to like Lopez's family and he's talked to like everyone else in TLC. In fact, on TLC's last album, they thank Anthony for just like representing. So he he fucking knows it all. Does he also wear an eye patch? 
He should. But Lisa never wore an eye patch. Come on, Dee. Get you're gonna have to listen to this episode. I thought she wore an eye patch. Some history. No, she didn't. She wore a condom under her eye. Okay, does Anthony wear a condom under his eye? No, that's Lisa's thing. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I do love when rappers do that. Like, wasn't Nelly like he puts a band-aid on his face? I think it's like a trademark. I'm not, like, this is another humble brag about myself, but I think I would, not that I wish to ever lose an eye, but I think in a snake pliskin eye patch way, I would look really good with an eye patch. I think it's kind of like Daryl Hannah in uh, Kill Bill. I think he kind of could pull that off. I, I, think it, it. I think it would just be a really good good look for me. And I would totally snake pliskin it up. All you should just well. do it when you move to LA because no one knows you. It's when you just, just wear an eye patch all the time and everyone's not going to ask you about it. But when they do, just come up with this amazing story about how you lost your eye. Every time, change it. Yeah, but I don't want to wish that upon myself. Like, no. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate the, the lack of the eyesight that I have. It's a bad karma there. Anyway, five bucks a month. You get access to Sick and Wrong Patron, the Discord. And for a few dollars more, you get access to uh, Sick and Wrong Overkill, our bonus Minnesota, as well as the archives. Uh, two ways to support the show. Whether, Patri- whether you're signing for Patreon at patreon.com slash sickandwrong or just via the Apple Podcast app on your phone. Subscribe and help us out. So let me play this quick promo and then let's chat with Dr. Rob Kaplan about the sordid sex life of Adolf Hitler. Greetings, loyal subjects in the UK and in the colonies. I love the Sick and Wrong Patreon. It gives me news stories, extra phone calls, and lots of tips on how to deal with my son Andrew, the sweaty nuns. Anybody found in the UK or the colonies not subscribed to the Patreon will face beheading. Thank you. So good morning, uh, Dr. Kaplan. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you very much. And good evening to you. Yeah, we're, we're in uh, three different time zones. You being in Australia and uh, Kate in uh, the north of England and me in Los Angeles. So you were a contributor to the recent miniseries that came out, Hitler's Secret Sex Life. And I got to say, I binged the entire series this past week. Um, Only four episodes, so not too much. But I found it enthralling, salacious at times, and very informative. I mean, that's, that's, I was telling Kate about this. I was like, you know, I learned, I mean, I knew a lot of, a lot of things about Hitler and, and his sexuality and his drug use. um, But there are quite a few things I didn't know beforehand. Um, so my first question is, how did you get involved with the miniseries? They contacted me uh, to do the series, and I was under a slight misapprehension. I thought they were going to do Hitler the whole life, oh. and they interviewed me for two and a half hours at least. Uh, they were in Australia, so they did it in my rooms, And I remember because it was the week before COVID lockdown and everything disappeared. And the next thing I was getting calls from people in uh, America, England, South Africa. I saw you on a show about Hitler's sex life. (laughs) Uh, And they just released it somewhere in the middle of the COVID epidemic. Well, so you're a forensic psychiatrist. Like, had you studied Hitler's sex life prior to this uh, documentary or written books about it? I had studied Hitler as, you might say, a medical historian, uh, 
And of course, when, when you do something like that, your forensic uh, background always plays a part. So I had my chapter on Hitler in my second book called The Exceptional Brain. And I sort of kicked it off from there. Yeah, I wonder if they were familiar with the book and they're like, hey, this guy is very knowledgeable. He'd be a good contributor to the show. Um, the other thing I noticed is Norman Oler, who's the author of Blitzed, which is the, the, the book that came out a few years ago about Hitler's or drug use in the Third Reich. Uh, he was also a contributor and uh, he was a guest on, on our podcast a few years back. So it was, it was kind of cool seeing him in there as well. Yeah, he wrote a very interesting book, but I think in retrospect, people got a bit confused if he should have done two books, one about drug use in the whole Third Reich with the soldiers and politicians yeah. and then a separate one about Hitler. But that's just a, a, a small point. Yeah, I actually, after reading Blitz, I thought it should have been two separate books. Yeah. Because it, they're both two huge subjects that yeah. are kind of very different too. And he kind of condensed it. That, that's what was interesting about this miniseries is because they, they spent a good portion of it going into Dr. Morell and Hitler's relationship with Dr. Morell and his drug use, as well as like his Hitler's, you know, psychosexuality and things like that. So it was, I thought they did it really well the way they fit it in. Um, that's how I got onto writing about Hitler. I first wrote about Dr. Morell because I'm always interested in strange and dysfunctional doctors. So once I wrote about Morel, it was easy to expand into the, the whole Hitler universe. A fascinating character, you know, that could yeah. be a subject of a future show, Kate, is uh, Hitler's relationship oh, with Dr. his drug Morel. dealer. Yeah. Um, I know a good portion of Blitzed is uh, devoted to that. So. so anyway, back to the series. So in your opinion, why is there such a morbid fascination with Hitler's sex life? I mean, after all these years we still want to label him as a deviant. Why is that? I think you've got to compare Hitler with the other two mass murderers of the 20th century, namely Stalin and Mao Zedong. Both of them are terrible people who in fact killed between them more people than Hitler did. But it's his, Hitler's personality and his character, his sheer strangeness that interests people and pulls them in. The last time I was looking at the statistics, they say there are now more books on Hitler than anybody else except Jesus Christ. <sighs> and they just keep pouring out. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely believe that. But I mean, people like are striving to label him as a deviant. Is it because they're trying to just, not justify, but rationalize what it is that he did and that a normal human wouldn't be capable of that, but a freak of nature could? There's three answers to that. The first one is, of course, there were a lot of people looking for any excuse to find, to, to, to understand Hitler's behavior. Secondly, he was at a time when leaders and politicians were all married with children, uh, or if they weren't married because of being widowed, they at least followed obvious relationship. Hitler, by contrast, gave this thing he is married to the German people. And he went to great lengths that this image was never disturbed. That's why he kept Eva Braun out of the picture. Um, the other thing is that people around him, like those around uh, his niece, Geli Raubal, who really were very angry when she committed suicide and were, e were starting to put out very salacious 
uh, rumors about his sexuality, but we have no way of proving them. Yeah. It, that is one that is one thing about this documentary is like how do you prove you know these allegations and these rumors? And many of the witnesses and the sources you know, are kind of questionable in their credibility. Like Otto Strasser, I mean, he was a you know a, a Nazi turned informant, hated Hitler. So how can we believe what's coming out of his mouth? That's the problem between let's put it this way the public discourse and real history. So historians will say that is just not relevant evidence. It's not strong enough. Yeah, it's true. So I found it really interesting that you draw a parallel between the childhood of many serial killers and Hitler. And by that, I mean, he grew up in a household with an overbearing mother and a physically abusive father. Can you blame his actions as an adult on the abuse he suffered as a child? To some extent, but you've got to put it into perspective. The question is, was his father as abusive as people think, or was he just a typical semi-peasant Austrian father at the end of the 19th century? In other words, they were all like that. And, of course, a bit of booze in the background didn't make it any better. And for all his father did, his mother totally coddled him. Um, But your earlier point is quite correct. I just... I'm busy working on uh, Timothy McVeigh, and I've drawn up a comparison between McVeigh's background and personality and Hitler's. Now, I'm not trying to say that what McVeigh did was up to Hitler's standard, but it's very interesting that he had a completely reverse situation to Hitler. He hated his mother because she left the home and he thought she was a slut, but he adored his father and grandfather. And both, if you look the next step, both of them were indifferent students, although they were highly intelligent. And then in later life, McVeigh never had a a lasting relationship. In fact, he went to some extent to avoid it. And oddly enough, if he had affairs, they were mostly with other men's wives. Hitler, of course, you know what his relationships with women were like. So there's quite a long list there. And... If you look at the criteria for serial killers, you know, what they use in profiles, you will definitely find an overlap with what Hitler was like and what he did. Well, another connection to a lot of serial killers is their relationship with their mother. So do you think Hitler had an aberrant relationship with his mother, Clara? The question about aberrant is difficult to define. It was what we call overbonded. You know, he he was extremely close to her, and she responded in kind. Now, their Jewish GP in the town he was living in treated her when she died of breast cancer, and he later said in all his years as a doctor, he had never seen someone as distraught as Hitler was at his mother's funeral. Although I later added in a comment in another discussion I had, well, you didn't see Elvis Presley at his mother's funeral. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. But Poor Gladys. So do you think, though, of his relationship with his mother, whether it being like she was doting or overbearing, did that warp his view on, on intimacy with, with women in general? Yes, I think so, because no woman could match up to this standard of idealization that he had of his mother 
And that's why you can see that he really went for young girls, young women, let's call them, because they were no threat as a real person. He could manipulate them. He could mold them. In fact, this is what he said. I want young women that I can shape the way I like. It reminds me of Ed Gein, like there's a lot of Ed Gein, like Hitler could have been digging up graveyards to like mold his women too. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a standard feature with serial killers. Can I quote another one for you? Dr. Harold Shipman, the yeah, GP in England, who's the greatest, um, greatest, most prolific serial killer in British history. Now, he came from a working class background. His father was a council truck driver, and he really wasn't much on the scene. But Shipman's relationship with his mother was very intense. And when he was 13 or 14, when his father was on night duty, he would sleep in the bed with his mother. And of course, he was already a teenager. Now, no one can say it became incestuous, but it certainly was very intense. And when she dies of cancer when he's 17, he he spends the night running through the rain. He just can't deal with it. Well, I mean, Hitler was shattered after his mother died. And I think he was distraught from in that years, yes. which I think led him to, you know, because he was lost to sign up for uh, uh, for the war. The, the, the First World War, and yet I think he was, you said he was rejected by the Austrian army, but accepted by the German army. Well, it's a very interesting point, isn't it, that today, post-Vietnam, we would call Hitler a draft dodger <laughs> because he refused to serve in the Austri- Austro-Hungarian army because he said it's full of other races, it's full of Jews. So that's why he scarpered to Munich. But the interesting thing is, as you can imagine, Military tribunal, medical tribunals, they are not easy to get through. They don't want to give people an easy ticket, yet they rejected him when he was ostensibly perfectly healthy. I mean, he was leading a normal life. And I, my speculation, because he, of course, had the documents destroyed, is that they found his congenital deformities. Okay. Well, that was the thing. And in part of that could be related to the inbreeding of his family. And so the, the miniseries goes into that, that uh, mm-hmm. his parents were related, like they were first cousins. So how common was inbreeding in Austria at that time? Well, not in the whole of Austria, but in that area that he lived, it was extremely common because it was a very low down on the class structure. They were all rural and it was very sort of closed in. So that was very common. You know, he had to get permission, his father had to get permission from the Pope before a, a priest would marry the, uh, the, the third wife, Hitler's mother, because they were so closely related. Well, did you mention in the uh, series, and I had never known this, that his surname originally was Schickel Gruber, and they changed that mm-hmm. to Hitler, which... Yeah, I think you made the quip that, could you imagine saying Heil Schickelgruber just doesn't have the same ring to it? Correct, and his father was the one who changed it. And, and why, why was that? Yeah, why did Sorry? they pick Hitler? Because there was this other line in the family, Hitler, Heidler, Eutler, and he wanted to get access to uh, an inheritance. So that's that was the reason for changing it. 
So these people were very, can you call it, rootless in terms of the normal boundaries of family limits. That wasn't that is interesting. And people don't know exactly who Alois uh, or his father's father was, right? Isn't that the uh, the question that that people have that he could be an Ashkenazi Jew or his, Hitler's grandfather? I think the literature, or rather the research into that, has more or less settled on the fact that it wasn't a Jewish servant of a rich guy living in the area. So they pretty much excluded that. Now, the series you are talking about, they claimed they had some of Hitler's DNA, and they couldn't prove anything about Jewish ancestry. Although, you know, DNA testing is... On, on such a broad scale, I don't know if that gets you anywhere. Yeah. So let's talk to another, talk about another rumor here. And uh, Kate and I were arguing about this. Did Hitler have only one testicle? And has that been proven? Yes. <laughs> See, Kate doesn't ah, believe it. <laughs> no question about that. In 1924, what was called the Beer Hall Putsch. Yes. I forgive my German. So he was arrested and taken to this uh, prison. And they found about is it eight years ago, they found his medical examination when he was admitted. Somehow, when he got into power, he, I, he forgot to send uh, the, his people there to destroy the records. And it clearly says he is missing a testicle. And that fits in with the idea of other congenital deformities. At the time, and I think um, you also mentioned that he had, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but hypospadia, which caused him to, to, yeah, he couldn't urinate properly. Yes, hypospadia is a hole in the urethra at the tip of your penis, so you always leak. And this was well described by his friends. Of course, he just could have been sloppy. But Fritz Redlich, who's really, to my mind, written the best book on Hitler's health, pointed out that those two things, hypoorchidism and hypospadias, usually go with something called occult spina bifida, which means the bottom end of your spine, they're usually, there's usually a hole or two, and it's not complete. And do you think this is a product of inbreeding? Very difficult to say. I'm not a specialist in what can you say, how these deformities come about. It could just be bad luck. Sometimes some of these deformities occur because the mother doesn't have the right nutrition in pregnancy. So it, it's highly speculative. Well, what's interesting about it is that uh, Hitler was a victim of sexual bullying and, uh, you know, in World War One. Maybe they knew his genitalia was malformed, but the connection, another connection between serial killers, serial killers with deformed genitals can also lead to, you know, hatred towards women and uh, insecurity based on that. That's true. I'm not sure how much sexual bullying he had in World War I. Uh, The guys in his, what do you call it, platoon used to mock him because they all wanted to chase girls and go off to brothels. And he would say stay stayed behind and paid no interest in that that's pretty well documented well was he a virgin in uh when he was in the army well it depends it, it seems highly likely 
because the there was a guy called August Kubitschek, and Kubitschek was a friend of his who lived with him in the early Vienna days. And Kubitschek said he never went near women. They once went to look at a new boarding house, and the woman who ran it came to the door, and she was somewhat loose and dressed in a plunging outfit. And Hitler just sort of shuddered and pulled back and said, this woman is a, what was the biblical term, a, a Jezebel or a Potiphar. We can't, we can't with her. And he also described Hitler falling in love with a woman called Stephanie in his hometown. He Stephanie never Isaac. spoke to Stephanie. This is and the he had he this stopped. fantasy relationship yes. that they were going to marry. And then he eventually realized she didn't even know him and wasn't going to have anything to do with him. And this is very interesting. His comment is, well, to uh, August was, all right, well, I'm going to grab her and we'll both jump off a bridge. That was his way of dealing with a failed relationship. Wasn't Stephanie Isaac Jewish? Um, I'm not sure. I think she had a Jewish relative, but I'm not sure if she was actually Jewish. I'll leave that open. He has a very scorched earth policy even back then, doesn't he? It's like this woman who doesn't even know we're dating will just kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> to make out. a comparison to, uh, to modern terms, are you familiar with the term incel? Involuntary celibate. Uh, are these guys who hate feminists and want to stay virgins or complain about being virgins? Yeah, they complain. I get more of an asexuality thing from Hitler okay. myself. Rather than being an incel. Incels are people who hate women and uh, because mm -hmm. they, 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 they aren't able to engage in intercourse with women, whether because they're terrified of women or they're too, too scared to approach them. But Hitler stalked Stephanie Isaac for four years, never spoke yes. to her, not even once. Yeah. And he was enraged by male attention that she received from others. So this is all very indicative of the behaviors of incels. So I'm wondering if that's kind of what Hitler, you know, was at that time. He obviously was sexually immature. I call him, call him a proto-incel. But I must <laughs> tell you that um, Timothy McVeigh had one great love in his life, a woman called um, Augustine. And Augustine liked McVeigh, but she said, I'm not having an affair or a relationship with you, but we can be friendly. And she went on to get married and he virtually stalked her because he went to enormous effort to find out where she'd moved and track, tracked her down there. So similar kind of thing. Yeah, similar mentality. So I want to chat yeah. about, um, you mentioned her earlier, but Hitler's younger niece, Jelly Rabal. How would you characterize mm -hmm. her relationship? Was it sexual? By all accounts, how can I put it? If you were in a court you would say on the balance of probabilities, it was sexual. And this is for several reasons. Firstly, Jelly was no angel. Yeah. In fact, she was pretty close to promiscuous. <laughs> so it seems surprising that they didn't do it. Secondly, the way the two of them were doing things, you know, going into rooms and moving around, people around them assumed that it was sexual. Um, so... I would say on, on balance, it was likely that they did. Well, one of the more salacious allegations in the series is that Hitler wasn't interested in conventional sex. 
And I think it was Otto Strasser mm. who claimed that Jelly told him that Hitler would have her squat over his face and urinate on him. So is there any truth to that rumor? It's really you've got to decide how much credibility you give the person who's issuing that rumor. I think he also said Hitler was into coprophilia, which is the, even worse than urolagnia, which, by the way, is the technical term for what you're describing for oh, listeners who want to practice it. Um, but can you believe it when it's it's just a single comment from a biased observer? It really fits in with what they wanted Hitler to be. Exactly. And I think you could Sexual almost, it, well, I think it also fed into the propaganda that was being disseminated from, you know, the U.S. and England at the time, uh, you know, about Hitler. So you, you have to question the credibility of someone like Otto Strasser, uh, though I'd like to believe it. So the one thing I find kind of interesting, too, about his relationship with Jelly compared to Ava Braun. So Ava Braun, like he kept that under wraps, like he, he kept that relationship very secret, but yet he appeared in public with Jelly, his niece, who was significantly younger than him. What did the other Nazi leaders think about that? Well, remember that relationship with Jelly was around 1929. And at that stage, the Nazi party was by no means a certainty. They were strongly uh, competing with the Communist Party. The Depression hadn't really hit yet, and that was what kicked them in. So he was just an up-and-coming party leader who was based in Munich and not such a big deal. But the minute he got into power, that was a different issue. Then he was a national figure, and that's why he kept Eva Braun hidden. The thing I find most interesting about Jelly is she, they has, she has a pattern with a lot of Hitler's girlfriends or women associated with him in that she kills herself. And he has a lot of women associated with him who end up killing themselves. Three out of five. Yes. Three out of five. That's Which a is, lot. Like, let's put it like that. I have more than five ex-boyfriends oh. and they're all still alive. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Hitler had some power to do that. Although I do think Jelly did definitely suffer with mental problems. No. I mean, she might have been on the edge of what you call a bit of a flamboyant personality she really wasn't very bright she was just a party girl yes um but i don't think she was in any sense crazy in the series they try to characterize hitler as a controlling sexual psychopath did he control jelly to the point where she committed suicide i think that was a significant factor leave out the sexual psychopath uh Part, but controlling played a huge part in her disaffection with the relationship. And she complained bitterly that he would insist how she dressed, where she went, and, he, you know, how she behaved. And the final straw was when she defied him and went to Munich, uh, went to Vienna for opera lessons. And I think the opera teacher was Jewish, which didn't help the situation. And it was after that that, um, you know, he threw a tantrum and she killed herself. Well, people say that you could question whether or not she actually committed suicide and she might have possibly been yeah. murdered. Yeah, I know uh, there's a, the author who wrote the book that um, suggested that or put up a case for it. But 
I really think the evidence is pretty weak. And that's speaking as a, from a forensic point of view. Hmm. Well, so, you know, Hitler's been accused of having this Lolita syndrome. But did, wasn't he also involved with another woman, Mimi Ryder, who was 16 when he was 37? I know he was involved with her. I just haven't got the dates to hand, but it sounds it sounds right, yeah. It's interesting, the comparison. All these high-flying women, like Hannah Reich, the amazing pilot, and Lenny Reffenstahl. Now, these were stunning women, highly accomplished and very creative and very good-looking. And they cl- clicked onto Hitler, but he didn't want to know about them. I feel the same about Unity Mitford because he could have had a very, that would have been like a political power movement if they'd have gotten together. But she was super into him and he enjoyed her, but never went any further. He, in fact, um, slept with one of her friends, didn't he? Uh, Erna? Irma? Um, I'm not sure about that, but I'm always, you know, when you talk about sex with Unity, you know, according to the book, I mean, she would have, gangbangs with, oh, yeah. uh, with the SS. So you might say Unity had enough on her little plate. <laughs> no, She's a busy to, to not need Hitler to satisfy that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but were those women closer to Hitler's own age? Because it sounds like he was definitely attracted to women that were much younger. Definitely. There's no question about that. So what about his relationship with German actress Renate Muller? I'm really not too well informed on that. I think it was a sort of, did he take her for a few dates and show her, I don't know what, his flat or something, but I just don't know uh, whether, am I correct? She did say they'd had had sex once or twice. But she also said that he was really into like extreme S&M, like he wanted her to kick him and beat him and be his, and, and be her slave while he masturbated. And that's also coming from Otto Strasser. Yeah, yeah. And remember, you can look at another example is August Kubitschek. Now, Kubitschek was a complete non-entity, but suddenly his old pal Hitler's the, the most powerful man in Europe. So people descend on him. He gives them a highly favorable account of Hitler. Then the war comes and they interview him again, and he swapped around much more negative and probably more accurate picture. So you want to also ask when, at what time in Hitler's progression, they were interviewed. That's true. Well, the other thing, too, with uh, the outcome for Renate, uh, she was committed to a sanitarium, and then she accidentally fell out of a window, so they say, after the Gestapo visited her. Yes. So So another one of his uh, had an untimely end. Had... I can't remember from the series. Did the issue of Hitler having syphilis come up? You know, they mentioned. I was going to ask about that. They mentioned his, I guess, aversion towards prostitutes. And at one point, August Kubitschek and Hitler, I think they were in Germany, and they they walked by like the red light district, or they walked through the red light district, and Hitler wanted to go through twice so he could look at them. But it was more like voyeuristic rather than engaging. Yeah, he's sort of Salvador Dali keep everything at a distance and pervert it. But um, Hitler was obsessed with uh, syphilis. There's 13 pages in Mein Kampf, 
where he rants and raves about syphilis destroying the race and how it is Jews that are carrying it around. So obviously that would fit into the issue about prostitutes. But there's kind of evidence that maybe Hitler had syphilis. Ah, unfortunately oh. not. <laughs> um, I, I wrote a paper on that. I don't know if I sent that to you, but um, it's been examined quite carefully and particularly the eye specialist who treated him at, towards the end of his life was quite emphatic that there's nothing there to indicate it. So that's just um, Interestingly, a comparison, you know, every great leader, a tyrant, they want to say has got syphilis. Now, we know Mao Zedong had gonorrhea plus, plus, plus. <laughs> they tried to put it on Stalin, but it didn't work. But interestingly, the Israel, some Israelis went to the Russian archives in 1992 and showed that Lenin had died from syphilis, which the Russians had covered up for many years. I mean... Syphilis was definitely rife during that period. And maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, with his platoon, he avoided going out with them. And I'm sure they were, you know, cavorting with prostitutes. And maybe it, it seemed like Hitler was kind of it was pathologically terrified of getting syphilis. And maybe that's why he avoided any kind of sexual encounters. Okay. I agree with you with the first part. He was pathologically obsessed with syphilis, not only for him, but as a sort of a national pollution. Um, I just think it's one of the factors in his general avoidance of casual relationships. And again, choosing women that he knew absolutely about their backgrounds and that there was no chance they could have been highly promiscuous. How that applies to Kelly, I must admit, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. Um, so did he, he outlawed prostitution though, but it, but it was, I, I don't know if it was legal or if it was accepted prior to, what, 1930. Um, brothels were um, outlawed, but then several of them were set up with with people like Goering and Himmler as places where they could get information, in other words, to be informers. And then, of course, in the German army, um, the soldiers had what they call field brothels, usually yeah. Jewish women taken from the camps. The Spandau Ballets. And being forced into prostitution. Yeah. 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 So speaking of uh, things that, I guess, Himmler outlawed, um, homosexuality, that was something that was also commonplace in the early days of the Third Reich. But then Hitler kind of did a full about face on that. Do you think there's any credence to the theory that Hitler was a homosexual? No, I also read the book. Um, I, I, I just don't see anything in that. Um, the, the issue of the Third Reich's attitude to homosexuality, yes. Uh, the paradox was they were putting homosexuals with the pink star in, in the camps. And yet a number of the leading members of the Nazi party were clearly homosexual and yeah. would go off and have these parties. What about the guy who was the head of the SA? Yeah, Ernst, Ernst Röhm. Ernst Röhm. Yeah, they found him in bed with, um, with a young man and, that, and then shot him, of course. But he, but he was a, he was an overt homosexual, and it said in the series yeah. that he, would, uh, he was so close to Hitler that he called him Addy. 
You see, you've got to remember in the early days, this is a party building up that completely obscure. They need anyone they can get hold of who will back them up. So in that sense, Hitler was prepared to overlook it. But as he moved up, as he got into power, it was more the image he wanted to project, and therefore that was uh, outlawed. Well, in the series, they postulate that he killed Rome to hide evidence of his own homosexuality. But that's spiritual. Nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was the other thing, too, that uh, Rudolf Hess, who people also say was a closeted homosexual. But and, and in the movie, they postulate that Hitler was intimate with Hess when they were in prison together. Oh, no. Once again, yeah. I don't know. You, you can't really prove these allegations. There's no real evidence. It's no. all hearsay. No, it's it's all the same thing. You've got to look at who gives the rumor, when they give it, and their credibility. And simply the fact that the two of them were in jail and Hess was his essentially his amanuensis and writing down his dictation for Mein Kampf hardly makes him into a homosexual. Uh, Hitler had his own almost palatial kind of room in the prison where he had all sorts of facilities and privileges and Hess did, certainly wasn't stuck in a cell with him. So let's uh, chat about Eva Braun. So we did mention that uh, that he was you know, secretive with her, his relationship with her. Do you think she was miserable? Like, do you think she resented the relationship? You mean resented the control or being in a relationship with him? Well, they were together 13 years, never married, never had children. Um, it, you know, it's it's kind of common knowledge that she was sexually dissatisfied because didn't she reach out to Dr. Morell about a like a, I don't know, Nazi Viagra that had like bull semen in it or something? She did. Look, remember, she'd made two attempts at suicide, what we'd call parasuicide, because... He spent so little time with her and she was just tucked away and sent money and told to behave herself. So she was enormously frustrated. And whenever he would bring her to the Bavarian uh, palace that he had there, um, she was delighted to mix with the top Nazis. And, of course, you could also ask, well, why did she join him at the end to kill herself with him? and get married when she could have stayed where she was at home and and survived. That was one of my questions. I was wondering why would she join him in the bunker and get married after after all this time? I mean, was she in love with him? How do you define love? I think she was had invested so much of herself into the relationship that she's sitting there the war is lost. The Russians are just about on their doorstep. And I think she saw it as a kind of, well, it's all been a waste of time, but at least I'll go down in history as his wife. Yeah, do you think that was his final act of control over her? After 13 years of stringing her along, he can finally, like, take her to the grave of him? Like, well, it was finally his final concession. Remember, he said to her, uh, don't come and join me in the bunker, but she turned up anyway, and then he was very grateful. It was the only time he was ever seen in public kissing her. Do you think they ever had sexual intercourse? I mean, they, they interviewed uh, her hairdresser who said under oath that he had, she told them that they had never had sex. Well, then they interviewed the people at Berchtesgaden, forgive my pronunciation, 
you know, the maids, and she said that you could tell from the bed that things had been happening. So there you go. I think they, um, the current opinion among, you know, Ian Kershaw, who's really regarded as the definitive biography, said taking all this evidence into account, it is likely that Hitler and Eva Braun had normal sex intermittently. In other words, you know, they weren't at it. They, it wasn't regular, but it happened. And I think that's probably going to be the last word on it. Well, the other thing, too, is uh, towards the end of his life, I mean, how many drugs was he on? I wonder if, like, huh. being sexual wasn't you know, at the top of his priority list. I don't think it was top of his priority. Yeah, that, that's what I wonder. Um, it's a fascinating series, and I know we just kind of broached a few of the topics, but um, one thing they didn't really they mm-hmm. mentioned but they didn't really go into is did he really have explosive flatulence? Oh yes, he ate a lot of beans. That was his main. <laughs> is it, diet but is it because he was a vegetarian? And sugar, or did he have like Crohn's disease or something? He used to wake up in the middle of the night to eat this special cake that was just a hundred percent sugar. Well, no wonder these oh, women yeah. were committing suicide. Well, um, <laughs> one of the first uh, biographies of Hitler was by a guy called John Torrent, and it was. How can I put it? It was a huge amount of information, but the analysis wasn't, you know, quite at the Kershaw level. But he was the one who said Hitler was the most flatulent leader in modern history, <laughs> which is a very nice line. And there was a description in his early days when he was an up-and-coming leader and he would be taken to these meetings at, in the houses of rich people like the, uh, the Beckstein family, and he would give this amazing talk, and then as soon as he went out, they'd all rush to the windows. <laughs> get into the <laughs> he was just air. farting the whole time. <laughs> well, uh, Dr. Kaplan, thanks for being on the show and chatting with us. And uh, I, I definitely want people to go check out Hitler's Secret Sex Life. But I also think they should check out some of the other books that uh, you have authored. And I'm going to post yeah. a link uh, to your website. Now, you mentioned that there are a lot of authors that share share your name. So you go by Robert M. Kaplan. Correct. Correct. And you can purchase your books at uh, rkaplan.com.au. So I'll post a link um, to our to our site. I noticed that one of the books uh, that that you uh, you have um, that you've already published was a book on doctors who kill, called Medical Murder, and that's definitely going to be the topic of a future show here of our podcast. So we might have to invite okay. you back again for that. That would be very nice. And um, as I said, I've been working on this thing of 20th century assassins. I'm not talking about the political ones, but I'm talking about the slightly crazy ones like Jack Ruby. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a fascinating topic. So just tell me, uh, will you let me know when the podcast is out so I can send the link to inflict on those who still talk to me? (laughs) I definitely will. Uh, Thanks again for being on the show. And uh, yeah, we... Yeah, and take care. Pleasure. All the best, folks. We'll be in touch. Do you think Hitler was into a proctophilia? What's that one again? Fart fetish.
<laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> that was a funny part. I really like that interview. Robert's a gentleman. I He's like really him too. Interesting yeah. to talk to. But, I but bought it's... a bunch of his books yesterday after speaking to him. Yeah, the uh, the medical murders one I definitely want to check out. But that's one thing about about Hitler. He could be into anything. I mean, you can fabricate anything you want yeah, right now. You could say he was into pegging and giving, you know, dirty Hitler mustaches to uh, to women. <laughs> it's like like a dirty Sanchez, but you just go vertical. <laughs> yeah, it is dirty Hitler. Oh, oh you got Dave Hitler. Hi, dirty Hitler. Um, <laughs> Does his nicks so good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> But the, but that's the thing. You could just say, "Oh, Otto Strasser wrote it in a journal after interviewing, you know, some yeah. strumpet that Hitler banged." That's that's the thing. The credibility of a lot of these people who are making these claims are into question. But I want to believe. I really do. I want to believe he was into scat. I, see, I could believe that maybe some other members of, uh, like of the like Nazi party could totally be into scat and all of that. Again, they are German, but there's just something so unsexual about Hitler. Like he's just, you just can't even imagine him having a wank. I, yeah, I don't know. Cause that's the thing. It's like, a, it's, it's sort of a stereotype with these powerful men that are into being, you know, submissive and they go to doms. Like I can kind of see Hitler being into some kind of S and M type sexy, you know, that's how he gets off. I could kind of see it. But all jokes aside, Hitler's secret sex life was an interesting watch. And I did learn a few things about his family that I didn't know about, like the inbreeding. Never knew about that. Yeah. In that, that area of I knew Austria. about the inbreeding. Because that's, you know, they all attribute that to why he was the way he was. But I mean, Hitler was still an intelligent man. He He was. But I mean, he also wasn't the most healthy man in the world. And he had a lot of like skin conditions and... uh and other ailments yeah. that could have been related, congenital birth defects that could have been related to, uh, to inbreeding. I'm also not surprised that he was the prototype for incels. Like, I guarantee that guy was really creepy around, around women when he was like a teenager. Yeah, because again, he's not really got much about him. He's one of the lads. I think he's much more comfortable being around the boys. But just because you're more comfortable being around boys doesn't then necessarily mean that you're gay. Either. Maybe. But then again, you know, the thing is, he creeped out the boys, too, with his one ball. So, anyway. He did creep out the boys. <laughs> People, check out uh, Dr. Rob Kaplan's site. Um, I'll, I'll post a link to it on our page. But we should totally have him back on the show when we discuss medical murders yes. after you've read the book. Um, I'm dying to talk to him again. He was such a wonderful... Uh, person to talk to. It's so knowledgeable to too. Hours. That's the thing. In yes. between the guys who have sex with dolphins, the men who practice urine therapy, I like to interview a professional like Dr. Kaplan from time to time to kind of give this podcast, you-, you know, about murder and bukkake, you know, a facade of legitimacy. Are you slandering my bestie Malcolm? Because you shouldn't, because he's my bestie. When's Malcolm coming back on the show? Um, I guess when he probably has sex with another animal. And, and writes a book about it. Um, I'm still, I'm still shocked that you get along with that guy so well. But anyway, moving I on. I Malcolm. <laughs> yeah, talk about creepy. He's into some weird shit. Uh, people, this is episode 908 here of Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. 
link to your awesome coupon code, Diddle. I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code Diddle, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. We got a couple phone calls to get to here. We got an Ask Kate. Someone, someone's desperately in need of your advice. And uh, as well as a Canadian Englishman. What do you call a Canadian Englishman? Uh, oh, God. Caught in the wrong place, probably. <laughs> a Lamuck? A Limey Canuck? I don't know how a to say lamuck. A I Lamuck. I like Lamuck. We'll go with a yeah. Lamuck. Yeah. Um, anyway, he calls in about having a vasectomy. So let's uh, play your theme music and get into some advice here. All right, segment of Ask Kate. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how to get my old girlfriend. Well, now we're going to think we're getting married, and it's been like 25 years, and I went around and fucked other women, but I never had oral sex with them. It's like all the women I've been with hate oral sex. They don't like their clit being stimulated. So, hmm. is this guy. What was that noise? <laughs> Did he just rip one? <laughs> Listen to that. Was that was Listen. that the clit at the back of his throat coming? Or was it or did he like snort? This guy, is we need to come up with a good name for this dude who keeps ringing with about all these women don't his boxes. Like their clit being stimulated. So, <laughs> is there something? <laughs> what was that? I think it was a snort. I don't think that was a fart. He was um, doing yeah. a Harrison. <laughs> We do got to come up with a better name for this guy. I don't know. Simpy? <laughs> something. Well, he's basically the only person who ever rings for Ask Kate, and it's always with the same story. Well, it's either they don't, his, his women don't like porn, or they don't like oral sex, or both. And it's pretty much the yes. same story. I do like it, though, because it's like cyclical. So we, we can find out if we give him the same advice or give him something new to try out. But it is kind of odd that this guy has been with all these women and they all say they don't like oral sex. Do you think they don't like oral sex from him? Yeah, it's very strange. Like, Maybe, But then at the same time, if you're with a dude and he's not giving you, like, if he's not eating your box right, you just kind of, you just say to him, it's like, no, do this. Because you should anyways. Maybe it's like he, sucking a cock. Maybe he Each argues. cock is different. Maybe he argues with them. I don't know. Maybe he's what, got a mustache. I know how to lick box, honey. He's got a mustache. Well, with mustaches old food are very sexy. Yeah, Come but on. if it has old food in it, they probably don't want that on their clit. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are they shagging him, D? Kate or somebody, um, do we need to go to therapy to have our fucking clit? What is it? Now, I, I should say, I think it's his technique. 
But I've had postmenopausal women before, and they didn't, and Kate's not, so maybe she can't speak to this. And you're not a He's woman. never licked my clit. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> but what the fuck, man? Just to say I'm just dead? Everything's dead. Is and he I'm dead? Just, uh, I don't know. That's just, this is really taking a dark turn. Um, so he's saying everything's it. dead, like he's dead inside because he can't give this woman oral sex. Because every needs. woman he's ever been with doesn't want their box licked. <laughs> and that's why he's dead. <laughs> what about, you know, they say about lesbian dead bath. Dan Savage. Wait, did he say dead bath? <laughs> the lesbian death bath. Did he say death bath or dead bath? Yeah, he said he, he meant said death, death bed. Death yeah, bed but syndrome. But I think he said dead I death love, bath. And my favorite thing about this ask Kate caller who keeps ringing in about the clip problem or whatever problems he has. I just love how wasted he gets. <laughs> I really admire how wasted he gets. Well, I wonder, is he wasted or is this just normal? Like maybe he's just he's drank so much over the years that this is his normal like Barney from The Simpsons. You know, that's just normal. Maybe. Uh, he just, this guy knows how to party, but he can't party down on a clit. <laughs> About that. He says, hey, you know, it happens. You know, like women, women get together and it just, it just, it just dies. There's nothing left. <laughs> so that's maybe all there is. So, Kate, I hope you and, um, what was that guy's name you went? Anyway, I hope you love him, and I hope you have clit sex. Bye. Clit sex? <laughs> I go out of my clit way, sir. Sex. Me, the, the unnamed other host of this show, um, I go out of my way the to avoid guy. the clit. I avoid the clit as much as I can. <laughs> clit sex. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good name for this guy. Should we call him like Egg McMuff? He's brilliant. <laughs> oh, he's really funny. I wonder if next time it's going to be about how his girlfriends won't watch porn with him. Because it feels, and then the one after that will be back to the clit. He's a cunning linguist, this guy. He is very much a cunning linguist. Oh, well, okay. Now, if we're going to take this seriously and give him actual advice, what, what do you think? What's the fastest way for him to get to the clit? For him to muff dive right straight to the clit. I find it un- unconceivable. Like, yeah, maybe the odd couple of women are like, I don't like my box being licked. But to carry on to date only women who only who don't like having their box licked. Yeah, I think you're onto something by what you said before. I, I do. I think it's his technique. Obviously, there's something wrong with your technique. So maybe ask them. Like, am I doing something wrong? Is there something I could be doing that would be more pleasurable for you, possibly? Maybe brush your teeth. Are they sucking his cock? That's a good question. Uh, that's an issue as well. If they're not sucking his cock, then don't be don't be reciprocating. I mean, I've had the I've had awkward com not really awkward conversations, but I've had conversations where it's like, oh, that doesn't feel great. You know, maybe do this instead. Or yeah, I think. But I don't even think it has to be awkward. I think it could, because no. every, every cock and every pussy is different. So you shouldn't expect that a technique that worked really well on your ex-girlfriend, Barbara, is going to work really well on like your next girlfriend, Donna, because it probably isn't. So you just got to go with it. Like well, ask them questions. Ask them, yeah. 
That's the thing. You feel it out, yeah. so to speak. But uh, just go and ask and say, hey, you know, what, 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 is, what is making you feel good? And then alter your technique. I'm thinking this guy does the same technique every time. Probably a lot of biting. A lot of like sucking. Thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that this guy just gets really, really fucking drunk. Very sloppy. Goes down and just licks you like he's licking an ice cream cone. And then you're supposed to be like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I great. think he does? I think he just goes down there and straight up motorboats. <laughs> it's just he's a motorboater. I think he goes down there and passes out because he's so wasted. <laughs> he's just going down there motorboating, or maybe you maybe you talk too much during it. You know what? Me, me, myself, personally. No, I'm saying thing. maybe he talks and throws them off. Like he, he's going down there and being like, you know, I guess it's tuna time or something, something like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think what you got to do is go and ask them what, the, what they like and don't assume that your technique, your tried and true technique that you've used for all your lovers, which obviously doesn't work, is going to apply to this next one. Just wear her like a feedback. Like but, Hicks you know, says. it's also true that maybe some women just don't like oral sex. Yes. For some, men. Some women don't. I don't fucking get it. But yeah, whatever. you teach their own. I, I've known more women who don't like having their pussy licked than men who. I've known a couple of dudes who aren't that big on blowjobs, but like I don't think yeah, I've, I've ever met a guy women. that doesn't like a blowjob. Oh no, I've met a couple. What is their never reasoning? been personal boyfriends of mine, but they've been like honest and just. But what's like, their reason? Like shout. why? They just like just don't like it. Hmm. Because it smells like garlic and onions down there. Well, they know it smells like calcium. <laughs> Maybe that's why. why. It's just kind of odd that you went. I don't know, but no, I've I've met a few women that just they they're not they're not comfortable having their pussy licked, and so you got to respect that. That's why you go straight for the, the the rim. Just go toss the salad instead. <laughs> go for the brown clit. That's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Hershey's kiss. Anyway. Oh, the brown clit. That is so <laughs> ming indie. <laughs> God. I'm no stranger to brown town. Um. <laughs> oh, gross. Um, do men have a brown clit too? <laughs> um, well, yeah. Actually, men have the real brown, brown clit, don't they? Because... You guys can come if you shove a dildo up there for long enough for a dick or a finger, you know, and find the magic brown clit inside the man's asshole. I would never go. I would say I admire gay men for being, they're like real adventurers and they're really brave people because I would never stick anything up a man's ass because men are disgusting. Where's a woman's ass? I'd be like, yeah. No, if you want ass, a vibrator could... up there, honey. You I'll could eat off a woman's ass, but yeah, man's ass is fucking gross. <laughs> man's ass. So that's so why I, I have a lot of, I, you know, I admire any gay man. Just yeah. For, for just for going there and doing no. that. <laughs> In search of the brown clit. <laughs> the brown um, clit. Well, good luck with that. I think you need to talk to your partner a little bit bit further. That's that's coming from the the unnamed host. Of, uh, the other guy. Of, of, yeah, the other <laughs> guy. The other that guy. other dude whose voice you, you sometimes hear on the show. Um, we got to come up with a name for that dude. Second guy here, second caller is uh, the, the Canadian Englishman who had a vasectomy. 
Hey, Dee. Uh, I'm calling in with my tale of being vasectomized to hopefully allay your fears. I got a vasectomy here in Canada. Yeah, I've got an English accent, but I am Canadian. Uh, and it was weirdly you don't okay. don't have an English accent. I was in my mid-40s. I think Dizzy he doesn't have an English accent. If he said, if you played this to me and said, where's this guy from? I don't know when's the last, when he moved over or how long he's been over there for, but I'd be like, that's a South African guy. You think everybody's accent's South African. Do you think the uh, Dr. Kaplan is South African? Dr. Kaplan is South African. Oh, he's right? Australian. Is he? He sounds yeah. South African. <laughs> <laughs> this guy sounds South African. <laughs> Diplomatic community. He's got... Diplomatic we immunity. decided not to have kids because fucking hell, we live in a world where the most selfish thing you can choose to do is create copies of yourself to the detriment yes, of all other life on the planet. And that's somehow lauded as being normal and right. Well, I couldn't agree more yes, with this guy. That's, that's my he sentiment. He sounds more exactly. English now he's getting... A- yeah, now he's getting on a soapbox. He sounds way more English. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's my sentiments. That's what I've always said. There's nothing more selfish than being like, I need to bring in a copy of myself into this world to use up your resources. The thing I always think is the most selfish thing you could say is people are like, but who who will look after you when you get older? That's fucking selfish. So you're telling me that you're just going to have a child to burden yourself on that other person because when you're old you want somebody who's young to look after you that's fucking selfish get always, an abortion i always say when it gets to that point i'll have like a bottle of jameson and a handful of pills that will look after me you yeah know? same <laughs> yeah that's the thing i don't need to create someone to look after me so and why would you ever why would your point of being like, yes, I, you know, some people do have kids for all the best reasons, but why would your thing be to burden them? Because you should be looking to improve their lives. You shouldn't be looking to burden their lives ever. Like you're supposed to do a better job than what your parents did with you. But no, apparently the, the pro- people the problem most is, people who have kids don't fucking even think about it. So. Well, the problem is the people who, who understand this and realize this are the ones that don't breed, but the people who don't even bother to even think about this are the ones that do breed yeah yeah but anyway um yeah i had weirdly attractive nurses and the doctor kept cracking jokes uh but they made a single incision yeah i smelled it but uh there was absolutely no pain uh and when i was done i got to sit on a lawn chair in the living room for a week with frozen peas between my legs and I played Red Dead Redemption 2. So overall, I would say 10 out of 10 would do business with again. Bye. <laughs> this guy's like, I'd go get another vasectomy. It was that much fun. What a, what a great call. He is very a, a British man in Canada. I like how he's abusing the Canadian healthcare. So good for him. Um, well, he must have married someone Canadian or something. I don't know. You can he have gets, relatives over in Canada and to just it. fuck off. I mean, it, Canada's practically like Britain's retarded stepchild. So... It is always weird when you have to go have something done with your junk and the nurses are attractive. It's just, it's, have you, it's awkward. Has that ever happened where you've become half-cocked because there's an attractive nurse? Yeah, I, well, um, I write about a story in my book when I got gonorrhea the first time. 
and I had to go to uh, SF City Clinic, which is a place I hope no one ever has to go to. But they had a, a really attractive, I think she was a resident, because I, I think she was still in college, but this Asian doctor. And I wasn't expecting that. And when I went in, and uh, she was just like, all right, let me see your penis. And I was just like, oh my God, this is kind of, and I was like half, I was, I was definitely at a semi. And I was just trying to be like, oh, think, shit. think of different things. But yeah, but at the same time, I also had pus coming out of my cock. So it was just, and that's it was exactly just a, what she wants to yeah, do. It was just this really awkward situation. But there was another time that was equally as awkward. Uh, well, maybe not equally as awkward, but pretty close, but pretty close. Um, at Kaiser, which is where I, where I go, I go to now. So Kaiser's an HMO. Um, I don't know if they have it on the East Coast, but it's definitely something they have in California. I currently have Kaiser insurance. What sucks about Kaiser is if you have to go get something done, like if you got to get a mole removed, you have to go to your regular doctor and that doctor has to refer you to the dermatologist. You can't right. just call the dermatologist at Kaiser. You have to, you have to be referred. So it takes months. Kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the NHS. But anyway, I book an appointment, had to get a mole removed or get a mole on my ass looked at that I thought was looking weird. And mainly because I wanted to get my ass tattooed, so I wanted to get it removed. Um, so I made an appointment, waited like three months, finally went in, and this doctor, I swear I've talked about this on the show, but this doctor was this like 90-year-old Indian lady. I mean, she was so old. And uh, she was training these interns or residents that just graduated medical school. There was like super hot Armenian girl and two really hot Asian girls. And they were like, you know, in, in the room with us. She's like, do you mind if, uh, if they stay here? I was like, no, no problem. She's like, okay, pull your pants down. And she like pulls my pants down. So I'm like bent over my ass, just like sticking out in the air. And these three ladies, like hot girls are just kind of looking at my balls and my taint. And I'm just sitting there like, well, this is just awkward. While she removes a mole on my ass. Yeah, that's Is great. that when you got a woody? No, I did get a woody during that situation, but I was trying. I really was trying. For <laughs> so the old Indian woman, I could see it happening. I was flashing my brown clit. Anyway. Oh, um... no. <laughs> Thanks for the moral support there, Canadian limey. Uh, people, you can call Sick Around Hotline, 323-522-4032, or just email us. Email us an mp3 at sickaroundpodcast.gmail.com. We did get an email, actually, an interesting one from this guy named Ben. Uh, he says, hey, D and Kate, I'm at work listening to a super old episode of Keith and the Girl. In parentheses, he says, don't judge me. I was about to make a comment on that, but I'm not going to. Did you ever listen to that podcast, Keith and the Girl? No, I've only heard it be talked about. Like, I, I have never listened to an episode. They've been around. Why would um, I want to listen to an, a podcast where it's got a male, <laughs> male host and a female host? And a female host. <laughs> it makes I, no sense. I can't even fathom why anyone would want to listen to that. Uh, but they've been around longer than us. I think they started in two thousand five. They were one of, like the original. Like I, I would say, they're probably might be the first indie comedy podcast. I'm, and they're still around. Are they super I think. successful. Uh, they became, yeah, much more successful than us. I'm not quite sure now that everybody has a podcast how successful they still are. But uh, yeah. I do, I believe that was their, their full-time job, I think. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Um, but he was saying that uh, this episode 214 of Keith and the Girl, it's way years ago, starts out with a voicemail from Martin from, from The Ville. He was oh talking about killing rats. He goes, just thought you might find it funny or interesting. If you want the episode, it's behind a paywall, but I can send it to you. 
Uh, don't worry about that. We'll take your word for it. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear what Martin's saying. He said he thought he had downloaded the wrong podcast when he heard Martin's voice. So I asked him, I was like, are they still going? Are they still around? He goes, yeah, they're still going. It got kind of boring when the pandemic hit because they had to stay home and they didn't have anything to talk about except movies. And it lost a bit of its original charm when Keith stopped drinking and getting mad about things. That's, that's what happens as you mature and become sober. But, well, wait, how old's Keith compared to me? I think Keith like is around age? my age, I think. Yeah. Well, guess what's not going to happen? I am not stopping drinking anytime soon, and I'm still going to get very mad when people mention Paul McCartney at me. I don't death. recall, like, during the pandemic, that we just talked about movies either. I think it was kind of the same same shows. What, you guys? Yeah, you when, and, we're, you when we were... No, when we were recording it. We were around mostly during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, but do Keith and the girl do, like have people on to talk about Hitler's balls or is it more like they just they just chat and it's just a chatty taffy episode I think they do have guests but you have to be on the east coast I, I believe I'm not sure now uh, actually I'm not quite sure but I remember when my book came out I contacted them and they're like oh are you local because you could totally come down to our studio but I was like now I'm in LA and they're like oh well if you're ever in New York let me they're cool about it though yeah yeah so and we're kind of um, like right. colleagues because we've been around yeah, you know, we started like shortly after they did. Oh, from um, the bill. Yeah, they started in 2005. Uh, ben said, I like to listen to some of these old, old shows and the, and the early Wackerly shows. It's funny to hear what life was like back then. Like a lot of MySpace talk, a lot of reality TV. Blackberries weren't even around yet. And G.W. Bush was still president. And Elliot Spritzer was banging call girls. I remember that. He said, uh, Keith and the Girl and Sick and Wrong were the first two podcasts I picked up. So it's kind of a weird nostalgic thing for me. I can imagine. Oh, I mean, I don't if, think it's weird. Well, I can imagine if, uh, you know, you, you listen. These episodes were from like 2006, 2007. And we talk about a lot of current events and what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah, it's a time warp. Yeah. That's why I like From the Ville, though. Because it's a total like little time warp trap. And they'll say things that you'd forgotten all about. Like Apple Teenies is my main one. When they mention getting drunk on apple teenies, I'm like, yes, I just remember that moment in time. But I'd forgotten all about an apple teeny. But well, I remember never, the of them. You've never listened to the Sick and Wrong archives, but uh, our old. Shows. I have not yet, but I will. <laughs> I will do. Maybe when they're uploaded to Apple. App, I'm, I will I'm getting through that right now. It's a, it's it's an onerous process to fucking upload these shows one by one to Apple Podcasts because they don't allow batch uploads. So I'm getting through it. I'm actually on uh, year six, but I'm hoping to get that done in the next couple months. Oh, that's but, brilliant. But they're cool. It's funny because going through it, I'm like listening to some of these. And I'm like, God, I remember that. We, like, we're sitting here talking about our MySpace page. And, and Wackerly will talk about like, you know, something and then it's something that pissed him off in the news or, or a movie or something. You're like, God, this is so old. It's like tw- almost 20 years ago. But it is kind of a, it is a is. time warp. Anyway, Ben, thanks for, uh, thanks for emailing us. And a big up to all the listeners who support us on Patreon. We do, we do appreciate you helping us uh, keep it sick and wrong every week. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Or just subscribe via the Apple Podcast app. Also, I uh, was inspired recently. So I'm working on a couple new designs uh, for the, for the Tee Public store. One's going to be very satanic. So nice. uh, coming soon when I get a little more time. Sick and wrong. Podcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Buy yourself some merch. 
Finally here, Sing Wrong Song of the Week. It's the only song that I feel is truly appropriate to end the show with. Hitler has only got one ball. Um, it's a famous, it's a famous song uh, yeah. that originated in, uh, in Limey Land. Uh, it's also known as the River Kwai March, but it's a World War II British song. Um, and no one knows the author, but the lyrics are sung to the tune of the World War I era Colonel Bogey March. You know that dun 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 Hitler yeah. has only got one ball. Yeah, yeah um, you know this song, and you know who invented this, the, the army guys. Well, sure, the, but no one actually knows the, the name of the author. Who are we? Yeah, no one knows the name of the well, author. Well, yeah, because but... it was probably just the lads. The lads um, had a chant. But basically, they're just mocking the uh, masculinity of Nazi leaders by saying that they had missing, deformed, or undersized testicles. A lot of variant lyrics that exist. I think this version that we're going to do is from a UK folk singer named John Jones, who's in a band called John Jones and the Reluctant Ramblers. And he does a pretty good uh, take on this classic folk song. Um, But uh, yeah, we're going to end the show here with this. Apparently, this song first appeared among British soldiers in 1939 and was quickly taken up by all the Allied military and uh, civilians. And uh, then it was later used in a scene from the 1957 film The Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, River Kwai. So I, I still think, you know what? I, I still think it resonates even to this day, especially considering that Hitler had only one ball. So we're going to end he the show. He did only have. With uh, John Jones's version of Hitler has only got one ball. People will be back next week with episode 909. Till then, take it sleazy. Goring has only got one ball. Hitler's are so very small. Himmler's so very similar. And Goebbels has no balls at all. Hitler has only got one ball. She threw it over West Germany It landed in the deep blue sea The fishes got out their dishes And had scallops and bollocks for tea
Hitler related to Zeisler, how on one particular night in Hitler's room, he demanded they both undress and lie on the floor. Hitler then begged Murat to kick him, which she refused. But he was so persistent that she eventually agreed. She kicked and beat him, verbally abusing him while he declared himself her slave. Hitler then masturbated. Muller told Zeisler that once this violent encounter with Hitler was over, they put on their clothes, sat down and chatted. At the end of the evening, Hitler stood up, kissed her hand and thanked Muller for a pleasant evening, as though nothing out of the ordinary had taken place. <laughs> 